If you are just tuning into this podcast, then you haven't heard about the free gift I offered all of my listeners. In order to share this knowledge with as many designers as possible, rating and reviewing this podcast is critical. I've been told it's an algorithm thing. I've been told there's nothing I can do about it. It is what it is, and to fight it is a losing battle. So in order to share this information with all of your fellow designers, rating and reviewing the podcast, telling people the value you are getting from the content is the only way to pay it forward. So my gift to anyone who is willing to rate and review this podcast is a free 20-minute phone call with me. All you have to do is take a screenshot of your review and email it to me, and I will send you a link to get in my calendar for a free 20-minute call. And in that call, we can cover any topic you are struggling with. And I honestly didn't think I would be offering this gift for so long, but I have truly truly enjoyed interacting with so many of the designers and hearing what they're working on, hearing their struggles, celebrating their wins. It has really been rewarding for both of us. And I highly encourage you to take me up on this because I won't be able to offer it forever. So rate, review the podcast, take a screenshot of it, email it to me, and then get on my calendar so we can have a call to talk about your own business. Welcome to my podcast, Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm Renee Beery, an interior designer with a passion for managing construction projects, large and small. My mission is to empower women, both homeowners and interior designers, to manage renovation projects like a pro. My goal in sharing my knowledge and experience from working in the field for the past 29 years will allow you to avoid the mistakes I have seen and go into projects confident and knowledgeable about the industry so that your projects will be as smooth and as successful as possible. After having so many conversations with designers just like you over the past month, I found that there was a common question of how to build a team for your client's renovation project. Everything from Who is in charge of doing it? When does it happen? How do you determine the best fit? And all the other details that really are critical to the success of any project. So today I want to break that down, explain all the different variables, because of course, there's never one way to do any of this, but this will give you an idea of what to expect, how to anticipate, and then build the proper team for the project you're about to start. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. So today we will break down the importance and components of building the right team for your next renovation project. Now, this is not something to be taken lightly. This is not something you sort of slap together at the last minute. There are too many variables that go into it to, first of all, be able to slap it together at the last minute, but secondly, that will have an enormous impact on not only your enjoyment of the project, but the overall satisfaction 
and completion of the project for everyone involved. So this really is an important topic to understand and to get as close to right as possible. And sure, there is no such thing as perfect, but you really do want to strive for that anytime you're putting the team together. Now, this topic kept coming up. I have been speaking with a bunch of designers, whether they're inside the course, whether they are the ones that are rating and reviewing and getting that 20-minute free call with me. Again, I highly recommend it. There has been incredible value coming out of those calls. And everybody comes at it from a different direction, but ultimately, it's the same question. Renee, I don't know, or I'm not confident, or I'm scared to put together a team. How is it done? So the members of a team really does depend on the scope of the project. You may be getting involved in a completely brand new ground-up construction. There is going to be a much larger team involved in something like this, and frankly, we'll get into it in a minute, but it's one you likely won't get involved with putting the team together but there still will be a role that you have to play inside of that scale of a project. But then you may have a smaller project that's just paint and flooring. Well, that's going to be a much smaller team than if you take on a small addition or a kitchen or a bathroom. And that is how you're going to determine who is on this team. It can be as simple as just jotting down a list. I need a plumber. I need an electrician. I need a carpenter. I need a flooring guy. On and on and on. And then determine if there are any overlapping trades. And then you move forward to who's going to fill those slots. Now, one designer, she was saying to me, I want to put together a perfect team. I want to put together a team that I'm comfortable with. And oh, hell, who doesn't want that? And I am first in line when I can work with my, quote, A team. But that isn't always a reality. And fortunately, it's more often not the reality. And so you must be adept at putting together a team that may not be your A team. And the reasons that can happen is scheduling. I mean, we're coming out of this pandemic in some form or fashion, and everybody I know is behind. Actually, I called my flooring guy the other day because I'm setting up a contractor meeting and he's going on vacation. And I said, okay, give it to me straight. When could you possibly shoehorn this into your schedule? And he said, you know, Renee, we're pretty much caught up. Okay. I almost fell out of my chair. Honestly, I have not heard that from any vendor, whether it be in my renovation management side or whether my decorating side. I mean, literally, no one has said that to me. And I joked, I've known this guy for a long time. And I said, okay, that's funny, but really? And he's like, no, really, Renee, we're pretty much caught up. We can slot you in when you need us. And I thought, okay, please, universe, let this be a sign of what's to come. Because honestly, if you've been doing this for a while, you've got to be as worn out as I am as far as the constant shifting, and pivoting due to schedules. So that can be a problem. And actually, why I am doing this contractor meeting is because my contractor has a small window between November and January 15th to do this project. And if I can't get all the other subs in there doing what they need to do in that meantime, we have to wait until probably April. 
So think about that. It may not seem like a long time, but when you're telling a client, hey, I can start in November, and then the next day you say, you know what, actually, I can't start until April. That's a big deal and a big difference. So I'm getting ahead of myself. All right. So if you're on a ground up full home construction project, there will be a construction company doing the work. You will be a part of this team as the designer and as a support person to the project manager, but you will not be putting together the team for the most part. And why I say for the most part is because of scheduling. I am often on projects of that size where they say, my tile guy can't get here for eight weeks. And I've built a rapport with the supervisor. I say, you know what? Let me call my tile guy. You'd love him too. And if I can slot my tile guy in in three weeks, then the job wins. The supervisor wins because he doesn't have to give a delay notification to the homeowner. My tile guy gets in. I know his work. I know the caliber and quality he's going to deliver. And everybody moves on. But there are times where I don't bring anyone to the team and I'm the newbie. And I've spoken about this before. It's not necessarily the most enjoyable moment because you walk onto a job site of a team that has worked together before. And of course, I'm the only girl and they're looking at me going, how is she going to fit in? And so the first couple of weeks, sometimes longer, It's my job, it's my responsibility to meld into this team that already knows each other. They know the inside jokes. They know how to tease one another. They know the limits they can push. They know what shortcuts they can ask from this guy or that guy to make the project move forward. And I have to play catch up. And as a designer, yes, that can be frustrating. But it doesn't happen on every project, and I want you to hear that it is sometimes worth doing. I have actually met some of the most incredible subcontractors because I was the new kid on the block, because I was the only girl on the job site, and I didn't know any of them. It exposes me to other subs and contractors that I wouldn't normally have access to. So please don't always look at it as a negative, like, oh my God, it's like, first day of school, I got to be nice to everybody, figure out who to sit next to at lunch and all that nonsense. And no, seriously, I don't actually stay and have lunch with the guys, but you know what I mean. And it's not a necessarily a bad thing. Is it my favorite? No, I'm not going to tell you that. Of course, I want to work with my A-team. Of course, I want to feel comfortable with every guy I'm working with on the project. I just don't always get that opportunity. Okay. So that is when you can't control the team. Let's say you can control part of the team. And I mentioned before, you may have an opportunity to offer one of your contractors if timing doesn't serve the guys that they normally use. That does come up, but like I said, it's not that common. But if you are putting together part of the team or most of the team, that often looks like this. So you are taking on a project. Let's say it's a kitchen and a bathroom renovation of one home. And the homeowner says, I have an electrician. I love him. He's worked with us for 10 years. I want to use him. And he is Joe Smith. You've never heard of Joe Smith. You don't know the quality of his work. Don't get anxious. You may not know the quality of Joe Smith's work, but what Joe Smith does have is institutional knowledge of that home. He knows the electrical inside and out, especially if he's been working there for 10 years. Okay. 
it's not ideal because again, there'll be a new kid on the playground and everybody has to learn to play together. But then that means you get to bring in the rest. So for a kitchen and bath, you're going to need a plumber. You're going to need a tile installer. You're going to need solid surface, so a marble yard or whatever you're going to be using. You'll need a painter, possibly a wallpaper guy, you know, on and on in order to get the job done. And then you're going to have to explain to the guys they have their own electrician. And be prepared for some eye rolls, some deep sighs, because again, we are humans. We don't love change. And if you are putting together that large percentage of the team, they're going to want the electrician that they're used to working with as well. So as the designer and as the project manager, it will be your responsibility to make those introductions, find commonalities, figure out what their likes and their dislikes are, make them a part of the team. And I'll tell you why you should be doing this. And I'll tell you why you shouldn't tell the client no. Well, first of all, it's the client's home. And if they want their own electrician, then that is their right. And of course, they should be able to do that. But the second is a personal experience. The electrician on my A-team, I met through a client in this exact situation. We were doing three bathrooms on three different floors, and the homeowner only had an electrician. And sure, I kind of went, uh, okay, great. And he came on day one to the contractor meeting, and we went through the whole meeting. My contractor and I, who've worked together probably more than 12 years, he is a little surly, I'm not going to lie, and I would say that to him. And he tends to be negative before he sees the positive. So as we were leaving, I was out in the driveway. We were getting into our trucks. We said goodbye to everyone. He turned to me and I was anticipating him complaining. Oh, God, I don't know about that guy. He's going to be a pain. He turned to me and he said, did you see him taking notes? And I said, actually, I did. He goes, I think I'm going to like that guy. Well, guess what? He was amazing. And I embarrassed myself repeatedly with him because I kept saying, wow, this is great. Do you do other jobs? Like, what's the scope and scale of the largest project you'll take and the smallest project? Do you work in this area and this area? And I know he thought I was just nuts. And I kept saying to him, I go, you're going to hear from me again. And, you know, I get that. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yep. Whatever you say, Renee. And this has been about three or four years. He's like, yeah, I didn't really believe you at the time, but yes, you were in fact real and you were in fact interested in my services. And I'm thrilled that my client introduced me to him. I had never heard of him before. My contractor and actually the other subs had never heard of him before. And we're all so thankful that we met him because he's amazing. So don't look at this as a fearful, something to be disappointed or frustrated or upset about. Look at it as an opportunity. Now, will every experience turn out like this? No, statistically, that's impossible. But there will be times where it does work out this way. And those are the opportunities I want you to stay positive and look for so that you don't miss out on a great tradesperson. Because frankly, they're harder and harder to find every year. Some of my best guys are hovering in their mid-60s, and I keep telling them they're not allowed to retire until I retire. And they chuckle and they go, oh, okay, Renee. And I'm like, no, seriously. Like, I'm, I'm actually serious. And I tell them, I say, if you do retire, could you give me a year or two notice? And they look at me and I said, it will take me that long to find the 
caliber and quality of work that they give me. And therefore, finding new subs, finding new contractors through other client work is incredibly valuable and something you should feel fortunate to have. So that's sort of the mid-level project. And that's when you're blending the teams together. Now, the other question that kept coming up from designers is, well, who's responsible for what? And let me make this very clear. And I have spoken about this in the past. A designer is not responsible nor warranties any contractor's work. Okay, let me repeat that. A designer is not responsible nor warranties any of the other contractor's work. Why do I say that? Because you're not doing the work. How could you possibly guarantee the quality and warranty the work of something you didn't do yourself? So my contractors, they are recommended by me to the client, and the client has the opportunity to meet, vet, call referrals, interview, do whatever they want so that they are comfortable having them on the site. Now, I have not had this happen, but I have had other designers say that certain members of their team weren't hired. That can happen. Of course it can. Is that good news? No, of course not. However, if there is some hesitation on the client's part on, let's say, this electrician, and you convince the client to keep them on the job, that's probably not a good decision either because there was something there, whether you agree with it or saw it or have any or anything else, it doesn't matter because the client had a feeling that it wouldn't work. So it will likely not work in the end for who knows what reason. And honestly, it's just not worth testing that theory. So after I introduce my top guys to my clients, they contract directly with the homeowner. They are doing the work for the homeowner. I am simply recommending these people based on my knowledge and experience from past projects with them. So of course, my referrals go a long way with clients and frankly, they should. However, it doesn't always work out that way. And they contract in the end with the homeowner. And that's for a variety of reasons. One, of course, they're the ones doing the work. They're the ones that are gonna warranty their work. And if in a couple of years they something goes wrong, they need something fixed, they can reach out to them directly, get the work done without having to engage me to come in and do that. And that simply just makes sense, both from a logistical side as well as a litigious side. I do not want any designers to warranty or be responsible for another contractor's work. It just simply doesn't make sense. And to be honest, my contractors wouldn't feel comfortable doing that way. Now, there are other things that you're going to buy a cabinet or things like that. That is different. Furniture, fabrics, furnishings, that is a completely different beast. But someone doing physical work, the plumbing, the electrical work, what have you, that is something that should be contracted directly with the homeowner. Okay, so we now know who to put on these certain projects, right? The certain size and scope. Let's talk about what you want to look for in a contractor if you are putting together a team. So, of course, you're sitting there going, well, duh, Renee, I want someone who's really good at what they do. Yes. And I don't mean to brush that aside, but that to me isn't obvious. What I want you 
to really be focusing on before you are referring anyone to any client is that the contractor and you are aligned with your values, that you share values for a construction project. And I'm sure several of you are going, what do you mean shared values? Like, what does that even mean? Well, the more projects you do, the more you'll see that there are going to be people that simply don't share your values. So for instance, my values on any project is that the client comes first, period. To me, it's as simple as the words, the client comes first. And many of you may be thinking, well, duh, of course they do. You will come across contractors, unfortunately, that really don't see it that way. They either look at it as what's in their best interest or what's in their company's best interest or simply that they're not that interested in the work. That doesn't fly for me. And that is no place on my project. But the other things are a little bit more nuanced. And they are, I admit, harder to discern when you're kind of interviewing new guys. So it is easier to pick this stuff up when you are working with them. So for instance, on those bigger projects and you're introduced to an entirely new team, the things I look for are those shared values, right? I want to see someone who also believes that the client comes first. But another thing I want to see in a contractor is that no problem is too big. Again, should be an obvious. But for those of you who've done projects before, you know that there are guys on a job site who whine and moan and complain and say it won't work, or I can't make it work, or it's going to cost so much to make it work. And then you're going to find guys who have the same value that I have, which is we'll find a way to fix it. I may not know what it is right now, but everything on a project can be fixed. I'm not worrying about the money. I'm not worrying about the time. I am worrying about fixing the problem because nothing is too big. And wait for it, it ties back into my other value, is the client comes first. Okay? So those are qualities that I insist on having on my teams. Now, I don't always get it, but I can insist on it, right? And so my job when I put together my own team is that the electrician he feels the same way. So if he runs into an issue or something gets missed or overlooked, no problem is too big. The client comes first. And then lastly, and this again may seem obvious, but it bears repeating over and over again. And that is, I want my team to be professional. There are no excuses for lack of professionalism on a job site. These are people's homes, whether they are currently living in them or not. And I expect and demand, frankly, that my team treats it as if it was their own home. Now, I know you've heard me in the past talk about porta potties and the importance of them. And again, it's worth repeating. I have no earthly idea why guys can't keep a bathroom clean. It is nasty, it is gross, and yep, we're going there. I will actually take guys into a bathroom if it's gone so far, have them look at it and say, I'm going to stop by your house this weekend. I'd like to see your bathrooms. And they kind of look at me and I go, yeah, because it should look like this. Because if it doesn't look like this, then you're disrespecting this homeowner. So I can't say that happens very often because my guys don't do that. But I also insist on porta potties. It's just for everybody, including the designers, sanity. 
but they are disgusting and there is no excuse for it. But professionalism goes beyond using the bathroom. It's everything. It's taking off your shoes if they're covered in mud and you need to cross a couple of rooms to get to the site where you're working. It's parking in an appropriate way so that people can get in and out and around you if the homeowner is living there or hell, if the electrician needs to get out. It's thinking about others in addition to yourself. And I know, again, people are going, well, sure, isn't that automatic? It isn't. And so these are the qualities that I really want to encourage designers to look for because I assume the skills is an automatic. There's no point in talking to someone who's not highly skilled in the area that you're hiring them. But you want to make sure that your values are also aligned. And again, my values may be different from yours, but my values are the client comes first. No problem is too big and you must be professional on a project. I consider us temporary guests in the client's home and my guys do as well. And frankly, if you're working with the right people, you don't even have to question whether they agree with your values. You just know that they are already aligned and that's where that great connection comes from and when you see projects really go well because everybody is on the same team with the same values and highly skilled in the trade that they are bringing to the project. So I want you all to be very careful when you're building your teams, keeping in mind that some projects can last months and or years. And so if you put together a team in a kind of a slapdash way, or I think it'll be good enough, you may be stuck with that good enough for 12, 14, 16 months. Make sure that's something you want to be a part of for that length of time. Now, there's always going to be a surprise. You may have done your due diligence. You may have checked off all the boxes. You may have referred them to a project and it still didn't work out. We are human. That can happen. It's okay. You may have to switch gears midway. It's not ideal, but you can survive and a project can finish strong having done that. So don't beat yourself up if there is a missing link. Just correct the link, whichever way needs to be corrected, and move forward with the project. But I want you all to be aligned with the team that you are working with so that the project is as smooth and successful and professional as possible. So I hope this information helps. Building a team is obviously critical in any project and also one that you want to do so that you enjoy the project throughout the duration whether it is eight weeks or whether it is eight months or whether it is three years. These are important things so that you enjoy the work you're doing. It will show up in the design. It will show up in the completion of the project by taking the time to doing this right. So as always, if this brings up more questions and answers, please feel free to reach out to me. I know I'm a broken record, but I really do enjoy interacting with all of you, hearing what you're doing, fielding any questions you may have, and celebrating the wins when they come. So I thank you for your time today, and I look forward to our next time together. Thank you for listening today, and feel free to join me on social media at Davine Design in order to stay up to date on the latest happenings in my construction world. There is more detailed information on my website for my signature courses for both homeowners and designers, 
as well as other material to help guide you through a successful renovation project. Make sure to follow my podcast so that you get notifications of new episodes so you don't miss a tip. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the word, leave a review and tell your friends who are starting or are mid project. And thank you again for listening today.